Good morning. Thanks for coming today. Uh, if you got one of these hate churches or the one that says, who's your daddy? Anybody get a who's your daddy uh, one? I don't know who came up with that idea, that who's your daddy thing, but uh, just this. So good to see you. Glad you came. You know, you might be here. Um, maybe you've been to a lot of churches and you were hurt by church, you know, some way, however that worked. Or maybe you just have been hurt because you, you know, came across some other Christian follower Christ, or you watch something on TV and it bothered you. Maybe you're trying out yet another church, trying to figure out if you can trust the church, or maybe this is your first time ever. I met a guy in the 930 services, I've never been to church in my life. You know, and that line that said a church where people don't go to church, he said, you know, that was me. So I thought, I don't go to church, so I'll come and try it. So wherever you are, wherever you are today, we appreciate you giving this as this is your first time or your thousandth time shopping around looking for a church, wondering, can you trust a church? Thanks for at least trusting us this far and being here today. We're going to talk about uh, condemnation. Before I get into that, let me just say one last thing about this church, Grace Community Church. We are not the ideal church. We're not even close to the ideal church. So I want to lower the bar right now. We're not perfect. I didn't want it to be misconstrued in some way that with that flyer that that's what we're saying. We know we're not saying that. We just want you to know that we know, that we all know, right? So there, 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 there we are. We hope to be a place that, you know, safe place where we all can kind of journey together and learn and grow, maybe find some healing, maybe even find some grace. So that's what our name is, right? So condemnation. Um. Nobody likes a finger being pointed at them, right? We don't like that. We don't like somebody who is self-righteous or judgmental or pointing you know, a finger and saying something or coming down on us in any way. None of us like that at all. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor in a church up in Maine, lady in this church who has a grown son. Uh, she came to the pastor. The grown son doesn't go to church. You know, pastor, could you, my son is going through some stuff. Could you go and pay him a visit? And so... Uh, that's what he does. He goes over. He knew when he drove into the driveway that it was, you know, maybe going to be an interesting conversation because there, as you enter the driveway, was this guy's boat, and the name of the boat was Hangover. It was Hangover. So he goes, you know, comes inside the house, and he walks in the house. There's this axe, you know, big four-foot handle axe, and it was right down the middle of the TV, like, right down the top and just hanging there. But my buddy is, you know, he's really easygoing, you know, so he didn't, he just acted as if he didn't see it. That's hard to really miss. So <laughs> sat down on the couch, and the guy says to him, finally says, I bet you're wondering about that axe. And so my, my friend says, well, it crossed my mind, you know, why it was stuck in the top of the uh, TV. And so this is what the guy said. He said, there was a preacher on there yesterday, and he was pointing his finger at me and calling me a sinner. So I went out to the garage, I got the axe, and I put it right in his head. So nobody likes that, right? Here's, here's the really interesting thing, everybody, about Jesus Christ. Almost everybody, all right, at least the people I hear or talk to or whatever, rub shoulders with that don't go to church, go to church, whatever. Right? Almost everybody will say, Jesus Christ is the most loving, accepting, unconditionally loving. You know, all the, Jesus is great. Jesus is great. Here's the thing. Okay. Jesus is great, loving, accepting. What's the deal over here then with the church? So if you don't know this, I'm thinking you do, 
the church has a pretty big rap for being a place of condemnation. And I'm going to give some statistics to you about that in just a moment. But that is the mantle that is being worn. Now, that is so odd because Jesus Christ is not that. What are we told about Jesus Christ? Well, here's some scriptures. They're on the back of that blue bulletin. And I think they're going to be on that big screen there as as well. Much bigger screen than what we used to have. It says about Jesus Christ, where the spirit of the Lord is, Jesus is the Lord. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? There's freedom where Jesus Christ is. You ever been around a self-righteous person? You ever been around somebody who's judgmental? Does it feel like freedom? No. The answer would be a big no. I've been around those people before, and everything you do, you're second-guessing. It's so oppressive. But where Jesus Christ is, there's freedom. How about this one? John 1.14. When Jesus Christ walked this earth, it said that he was full of, and notice the sequence of words, grace first, truth second. Truth, everybody, without grace... Truth is a noose around our necks. Grace, without any truth, is like total chaos. That doesn't work either. But for Jesus Christ, there was truth, but it was preceded by grace. I want to come back to that in a moment. Jesus Christ said himself, John 3, 16, right? Very, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, for God's love of the world, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will receive eternal life. Then he follows it up in verse 17, says, I didn't come to condemn. Well, that's fairly straightforward, isn't it? I don't know how we could, you know, mix that one up. I did not come to condemn. John 3, 17. How should that impact the church? A lot. It should impact the church a lot because Jesus says in Matthew 16, I'm going to build whose church? My church. So who, who's, who's owning the church? He said, this is my church. I own it. And what should our attitudes be? Philippians chapter 2. It should be the same as Jesus Christ. Now, we did a survey a number of years ago, five, six or so years ago, because for some reason, it's, maybe, it's been longer than that, actually, we were running into lots of people who either said, A, I hate church, and there was a long story that goes with that with all of them, or B, you know, I just don't like church, I don't go to church. We thought, well, well, why? Tell me why you don't go to church, or tell me why you hate church. Number one response, clear number one winner was, because the church is all about condemnation, that's why I don't go. How did the church gain that kind of rap? There's a recent, recent national survey about this. Here's the numbers. You ready? 87%, almost 100%, 87% of people in America, the ages 16 to 29, say the word judgmental accurately describes the Christian church. Whoa. Think about that. If you're in a conversation with somebody between the age of 16 and 29, you let it slip. You're a churchgoer. You have an almost 90% chance that immediately, if you've just met them, they're going to say, oh, you're self-righteous and judgmental. Bah. Just like that. That is huge. Now, you might say, well, those are people who don't go to church. And, man, those numbers might be greatly skewed. If you, if you poll the people, same age category that do go to church, 16 to 29-year-olds, and you ask them, does the word accurately describe the Christian church? 53% of churchgoers ages 16 to 29 say, yes, judgmental accurately describes the church. Those numbers don't precipitously drop. That's a tough word to say. They don't drop very quickly when the age goes up. That's just the worst of them. That is a huge, huge number. All right. That kind of rap has caused people to make quotes like I'm about ready to give you now. Bono, the singer, says, Christians are hard to tolerate. I don't know how Jesus does it. 
Gandhi says, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Comedian Lenny Bruce says, every day people are straying away from the church and they're going back to God. Wow. Now we have a little video clip. You might recognize it. But watch this clip and let's wonder where this came from. Careful of the car, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Don't move the seat. I've got it right where I like it. Goodbye. Two and ten, Ben. Okay. Don't peel out. I won't. And he said unto Abraham, Jesus. So where do you want to eat? Feels like an Arby's night. Arby's beef and cheese and... Do you believe in God? Yes. Oh. So you're pretty religious. That's right. So is it a problem that I'm not really religious? Not for me. Why not? I'm not the one going to hell. forgot to deliver your paper today. Why don't you uh, just grab that one? That belongs to Mr. Potato Guy. That's his. Come on, I get it. <laughs> well, if you want it, you get it. Sorry, thou shalt not steal. <laughs> oh, but it's okay for me. Oh, what do you care? You know where you're going. <laughs> All right, that is it. I can't live like this. Oh, no. Come on. All right, what did I do? Jesus fish, didn't you? Yes, that's right. Let me see if I understand this. You're concerned that he isn't concerned that you're going to hell. And you feel that she's too bossy. That's yeah, that's right. right. Well, oftentimes in cases of interfaith marriages, couples have difficulty. Whoa, 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 whoa. No one's getting married here. You aren't? No. Oh. We're just, you know having a good time oh well then it's simple you're both going to help okay i was uh like that you know i was considering just showing that clip and shutting up and sitting down and thinking that would pretty much say it all and maybe some of you be saying why did you just do that in a few minutes but anyway we're going to press ahead. I just want to say a couple things. Uh, Luke 6, Jesus says, do not condemn. Really straightforward. So it didn't mince his words and make things confusing or cloudy for us. Do not condemn. Why do we do that? So, so how did the church, how did we win? How did we win this rap? 
for being so condemning. How does that? Well, you know what? It's human nature, isn't it? Human nature. Here's what I mean. And there's a lot of things we could say, but check this out. When, when we get into some club, you know, or fraternity or sorority or any kind of so anything like that, so we get into something, okay? Once we're in, over a period of time, it is human nature to want to raise the entrance requirements, right? Because when we raise those requirements after we're already in, it makes us feel more special. It appeals to our pride. That's one of the things that happens to us. So some of this is human nature. Oh, what are people asking? I want to speak for a second to kind of, you know, churchgoers, church-going Christians. For a second. Here's what people who don't go to church or have been hurt or offended by the church. Let me give you three things they're asking for. And there's a fill in the blank for you on the back of that blue sheet. They're, this is what they're asking. Listen longer. They're saying, hey, listen to me longer. Don't be so quick to give an answer. The people who have been hurt by church or hurt by Christians, whatever, they'll say, man, it just seems like Christians have all the answers. Like the moment I say something, like, zip, you know, I got it. Yeah. Like I can't even get the thought complete. You know, I couldn't complete it. It's like, whammo, you got it. If you like, oh, just listen longer. Now, here's the really cool thing about that. That's what the Bible tells us to do. The book of James, it says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Really, one of the major things that we could do to lose, as a follower of Christ, the condemnation rap is simply do this. Follow what the Bible says. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Now, here's where John 1.14, I want to come back to it, where it says Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Grace first, truth second. Here's what truth wants to do. Truth wants to speak first. And here's what grace wants to do. Grace wants to listen first. Simple as that. If you're the kind of person that always has to be the first to speak or always have to dominate a conversation, think about where you are with that sequencing of things. Grace first, truth first. Have to be willing to listen. I read a great quote. You all ever heard that statement that, you know, Christians will say, hate the sin and love the sinner? Anybody ever heard that before in your life? Anybody out here? Okay, I read a great quote about this. This young guy who said this. He said, Christians talk about hating sin and loving the sinner. But the way they go about things, they might as well call it as it is. They hate the sin and the sinner both. Listen longer. Second thing, quit selling Jesus. Jesus Christ is not a late night infomercial, right? And he's not like a set of Ginsu knives. He's not the QVC network or anything like that. He's not, you know, there's not this massive agenda that constantly has to force its way into every single thing that is done. A lot of people say Christians, it feels like they always have an agenda. And whatever your conversation with it, they're really not genuinely interested in you. They keep trying to bring it back, bring it back. Even if they have to force it, bring it back to this point over and over again. It's not meant to be forced. We don't need to have a constant agenda in our conversations. Can I give you an example of this? In my neighborhood a number of years ago, I live on a cul-de-sac. And uh, we had this big, huge party. And not just people from our neighborhood, people from all over came and friends. And even some family members were there who, like, live out of state, live a long way away. And so we're having this big party. And the kids are running around, and they're shooting off fireworks. And we even had some bottle rockets. I know they're illegal, but we've got some real renegade kids in our neighborhood that maybe need some condemnation. Anyway, they... They, they're shooting off bottle rockets and they're sparkling, all this kind of stuff. And there was a guy there. He doesn't live anywhere around here. He was just happened to be there. And he comes out. I don't know him from Jack. I don't know who he is. And I'm standing there talking to another neighbor. He walks up on us. And he started doing these, like, you could feel it coming on. You know what I mean? You ever been in a conversation? It's like he's really forcing Jesus into everything. 
how was your breakfast this morning? Jesus, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just odd. It was odd stuff. Bottle rocket goes up. I mean, literally, this is the way it was going. Bottle rocket goes up. Oh, look at that. Go up to heaven. Do you know that Jesus Christ wants to take you to heaven? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? It was just like, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, kid ran by with a sparkler. Look at that thing shining. Do you know that Jesus Christ wants to make you shine? We even sing a song about it. Shine, Jesus, shine. You know, he's all this goofy, goofy stuff that was forcing, forcing, forcing. Finally, I said, I said, hey, you know, I'm a pastor, a pastor at church. Didn't phase him one bit. And the person who was with me, I said, you know what? They just went to church this morning too. Didn't phase him one bit. And once he couldn't get us on our knees, confessing Jesus Christ as Savior, right then and there in that cul-de-sac, he just walked away. Quit selling Jesus. Quit selling Jesus. Final thing. Follow Jesus' example. Follow Jesus' example. All right? Look at this verse, everybody. This is really important. Romans 2.4. God's what? Kindness does what? Lead us toward what? Repentance. Now, here, here's the thing. If God's kindness has led you towards repentance, what do you think is going to lead somebody else towards repentance? I mean, is wrath or condemnation, will that lead people to repent? Like if God's kindness worked for you and you really appreciate and you needed God's kindness... What then makes us think that something other than the kindness of God is going to lead somebody else to repentance? We need to remember that. And we need to follow Christ's example, his example of kindness. Think about what Jesus Christ did when he came across somebody who had some kind of clear problem. Came across lots of people who had this. Came across a guy one time who was a tax collector and a thief. He had really bad character. This guy's name was Zacchaeus. So what did he do with Zacchaeus? Everybody hated Zacchaeus. I'm like, Zacchaeus couldn't even hang out with the sinners because everybody was clear. Everybody wanted to condemn Zacchaeus. Like, no good on the Zacchaeus. We want to get away from him. What did Jesus Christ do? He went, showed him kindness, hung out with him, and the kindness of Jesus Christ completely spun this guy's life around. So we got other situations where people were caught, caught in the act of adultery. Everybody who's standing there, ready, got the stones, ready to go. Let's go to work. Let's stone this person. What does Jesus Christ do? Jesus Christ protects. He hangs out and shows kindness to outcasts and sinners and on and on the list goes. That's the way Jesus functions. Listen, we need to simply follow the example of Christ, not sit back in the bleachers somewhere and lob the bombs and say, you this and you that, and you shouldn't do this. And you do. Why are you doing this? That's not Jesus' example. And you know what? Jesus was the only perfect person that I've ever known that's walked on this planet that I've read about, right? He could have done that all day long, yet he didn't. What does that mean? How should that impact us? Look, if you drive around Arlington County much, what you're going to notice is there's lots of people on street corners, and they got a little bucket, and they have a sign, you know, know, I got kids, or I can't get work, or something like that, right? And some people... Not saying you, not you, but the person sitting next to you maybe feel this way. It's never you. It's one thing also, it's clear that we want to always say about Grace Community Church. It's never you. It's always the person next to you, all right? Might be saying, you know what? Get a job. Man, get a job. Get off the street corner. Get a job. Now, how, how would Jesus handle that? What would he do? Would he maybe show kindness to them, hang out with them? 
We find out where they're staying, like he did with Zacchaeus. You know, I'm going to come over to your house and be with you. We can do that on many, many levels. There's a lot of ways that we can simply follow the example of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm getting ready to say something here that's going to, woof, the moment I say the word, everybody's going to sit up. So if you're asleep, here's the wake-up time. Homosexuality. Okay? Every time we send a flyer out, we get lots of responses to the flyer, right? And we send the flyer because people know us more than usual because all of a sudden a lot of flyers have hit mailboxes. Now, what do you think is the number one question that we're hit with? By far, without a clear second. Hey, I like the flyer. Who's your daddy? Man, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. Who's your daddy? It's got one on your website. You know, I like everything I see. But you know what? Before I show up, I got one question for you. You need to tell me right now where you stand on the issue of homosexuality, okay? Defines the job, like, boom, that one issue, bam, that's going to hit everything. It's, gonna, it's the make or break, which I think is absolutely a shame. But let me say this. Every single one of us has a self-righteous engine, every single one of us in this room, me included. Something as good as you think you are, as pure as you think you are, you got something that hits you on your self-righteous meter and you just, boom. It starts your engine, you're ready to go. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's Democrats. Maybe it's Republicans. Ooh, that may be even worse than homosexuality, right? There's something. There's something that revs your engine. Here's Jesus' example. If Democrats rev your engine, go and make friends and show kindness to and love on a Democrat. If Republicans rev your engine... Go and love on and make friends with and show kindness to them. If a homosexual, if that revs your engine, you know, and you just want to be friends, love on, whatever starts your self-righteous engine, everybody, what Jesus Christ would do, he was always crossing the line, never playing it, never sitting in the bleachers, coming down with that condemnation, completely wrong. And the church does this church does this how many times some and sometimes national church leaders we do this some catastrophe takes place and we sit back and say well it's because of right el stupido not jesus i mean lay off the dumb pills that is not who jesus christ is listen to people longer quit selling jesus be genuine and simply follow Jesus Christ's example. Now, if you see Jesus lobbing bombs at people, then do that. Problem is, you're not going to find it. He doesn't do that. He loves on people. All right, that's what I want to say to church people, okay? Um, oh, you know what? One last thing. I got another scripture verse. It's on my sheet. It's on your outline, so I might as well include it. Uh, some people say, uh, you know, but if I don't tell them that they're wrong, how are they going to know? It says in 1 Corinthians 5.12, it says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? So if you feel just like totally compelled that you've got to tell the people at your workplace that are doing this, this, and this, and that, because that's what Jesus wants you to do, I want you just to run it by 1 Corinthians 5.12 and see what you come out with, okay? If you feel compelled that you absolutely have to to do that. Now let's talk to those of you who 
maybe this is your first time coming back to church in a long time or you've never been to church and you've been you know, hurt deeply by somebody along the way. Okay. First thing is this. I've got just two things. Forgive the church. I know. It, that doesn't sound good for some of us to forgive the church. It sounds really painful. But actually it would be the best thing that, that, that you could do. Okay. I went through a period in my life where I tremendously hurt by the church. I was angry at the church. I was mad at the church. Um, I don't have anything to do with the church. I wanted to walk away from the church. That's where I was completely. And I had to first start, once I realized that this wasn't good for me, that this was not healthy for me, I was like reliving the stuff all over again, that there would come a point in time I said, okay, this is enough. I've got to stop this. So the first thing I just said, God, you're going to have to help me to actually want to forgive the church. I'm not even to the one-two stage. I prayed about that, and God finally got me to the one-two stage. And after I got to the one-two stage, then I said, okay, now we're going to have to seal the deal. Because I want to forgive, I just can't do it. And slowly, and look, this didn't happen overnight. God is more like a crock pot than a microwave. So it happened overnight, and slowly but surely, God worked. And I wanted to, and then he helped me. And I tell you what, that's where the healing began. It was so much better. Some Christian has pointed a finger in your face. Somebody has hurt. Somebody's done you wrong in some way. I know it. You don't deserve it. It's terrible. But forgive the church. It'd be a really good thing that you do. Last thing. Find Jesus in the mess. Find Jesus. It is a mess. It is a mess. There is no perfect Christian and there is no perfect church. Lord knows, Lord knows that this church is far from perfect and there is no perfect church. But you have to find Jesus in the midst of all the mess that goes on. We all know what the problem is, but what is the solution to this? The Bible tells us that we should fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Some of us might say, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from church. You know, I tried it this one Sunday, but, you know, I'll walk away from church. Here's the thing that we need to think about is the Bible calls us not to walk away from the church. As hard as that seems for what some of us have been through. To not walk away from the church, but the Bible actually calls us to keep coming together and assembling together. And Jesus says himself, I'm going to one day come back and I'm going to come back for this church and the church is going to be awesome. So God must have great plans. He must still want to do a great work in the church. So don't walk away because that's what it, so work through it. Ask God to help you to work through it and find Jesus beneath that and keep focusing on him. If you focus on church or focus on a Christian or a Christian leader, eventually, guaranteed, they will let you down. Without a doubt, going to let you down. Focus on Jesus Christ. Okay, I want to end with a story. And uh, I originally heard the story, which I'm going to tell you, uh, 15 years ago, the guy who the story is about, I was actually someplace, and I heard him share this, and it really moved me at the time. And I was reminded of the story this past week, and it moved me all over again. And I want to share it with you. I want to set the story up, and then it's written so well, I'm going to read it to you. Let me set it up. This guy is a Christian. He's not a pastor, but he's a Christian, and he travels a lot, and he speaks. He speaks all over the world, basically. And so he lives on the East Coast. And he was traveling. He was actually in Hawaii. And for those of you who travel a lot through different time zones, you know the frustration of jet lag, right? Like you want to sleep so bad and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you just can't sleep. Of course, 1 o'clock the next day when you're in the meeting, you can't keep your eyes open and you just feel so terrible. Well, this guy was going through it. 
And he was so frustrated after trying to sleep for so long. I said, he got up at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And about 2.30, he finds himself in the middle of Honolulu, Hawaii, at this old greasy diner. And while he's there, about 3 or 3.30 in the morning or so, in walk two prostitutes. One of them's name is Agnes. And he was just out of the corner of his head, just listening to a conversation they were having. And Agnes, one of the prostitutes, says to the other lady who was with her, who was also a prostitute, says, tomorrow's my birthday. And the one lady says to Agnes, says, well, why, why, are you tell, why are you telling me this? And she said, well, I don't know. I've never had a birthday party in my life. My mom never. I've never had a birthday cake. And uh, that was it. And this guy was sitting there, and it really touched his heart. Well, they got up and left. And when we got up and left, this guy went to the guy behind the counter. whose name was Harry. Harry actually owned the place. He said, hey, Harry, I got a question for you. Do they come in here every night? He said, every night. They come in here, 3.30. They come in here every single night. He said, now, Harry, this is going to sound a little wacky, but bear with me. Could I come back tomorrow night like at 2.30 in the morning and set some decorations up and throw a birthday party for Agnes? And Harry says, actually, that's a great idea. I'll let you do it as long as you let me make the birthday cake. And Harry's wife works back in the kitchen. She said, and I'll cook all the food. We'll just have this big party. All right, now let's read what happens. At 2.30 the next morning, I was back at the diner. I had picked up some crepe paper decorations at the store and had made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. The woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because at 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30, the door of the diner swung open, and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody ready. And when they came in, we all screamed, happy birthday. Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open. Her legs buckled. When we finished singing, her eyes moistened. And when the cake was carried out, she started to cry. Harry gruffly mumbled, blow out the ca- uh, candles, Agnes. Come on, if you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles. Finally, Harry blew out the candles. The cutting of the cake took even longer. Cut the cake, Agnes. We all want some cake. Look, Harry, is it okay if I keep the cake a little while? If we don't eat it right away? Sure, if you want to keep it, keep it. Take it home for all I care. Can I? Then looking at me, she said, I live just down the street. I want to take it home to show my mom. I'll be right back. She carried the cake out the door like it was the holy grail. We stood there motionless, a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems more than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner at 3.30 in the morning. But at the time, it felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed for her life, that it would be changed, and that God would be very, very good to her. When I finished... Harry leaned over the counter and said with a trace of irritation, Hey, 
You never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? In one of those moments when just the right words seemed to come to you, I said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment, almost sneered as he answered, No, you don't. There is no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all love to join a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning? That's the kind of church that Jesus came to create. That's the kind of church that Grace Community Church hopes to be. Hopes to be. Christians and churches, including this church, will definitely let you down. Without a doubt. There is one person who will absolutely never, ever, ever let you down. He is the only person that across the board will not be condemning and always 100% of the time show you unconditional love. That is Jesus Christ. You come here today maybe wondering, can you trust the church? Know if you can trust the church. Jesus wants us to be a part of the church. But what you definitely can trust is Jesus Christ. He's 100% trustworthy. He loves you, wants to guide your life, heal your life, save your life, transform your life. You can absolutely trust Jesus Christ. If you're grappling with the decision whether or not you should throw open your heart, through Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you Jesus Christ is completely trustworthy, worthy of you opening your heart and accepting him in to your life. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Music team is going to come up here. If you would like prayer, our prayer team is going to be along the wall over there. Thank you so much for coming today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word because through the Bible, you give us guidance. Through the life of Jesus Christ, we have direction. We have direction on how we should live our lives and the fact that we can fully trust Jesus Christ, what we should do and how we should live out our faith in Christ. For those of us who have never placed faith in Christ, for those of us maybe here right now just struggling and wondering, can I trust you, Jesus? Lord, in our own time and in your own way, I pray that you would lead all of us through your kindness into that relationship with you that we all deep down desire to have. Thank you, Lord, that we could gather here together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.